0: Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Writers and Authors Show. We air this show every second Wednesday with our friends over at Books Forward, I encourage you to go to booksforward.com. And today we're excited to welcome Drs. Marissa and Simon Cleveland. No, we're not getting a checkup, but they're smart Mm. people, let me tell you. Very excited because they've got a new book out. And in fact, it's out a day now for a day, a full day. Mm. Uh, It is called There Is No Box, A Practical Guide for the Relatable Leader. That's something really important, I think, in these times, whether we're thinking politically or in a business atmosphere even in the education atmosphere, we've got to think about our leaders. And if you're a leader, uh, are you relatable to your team? So it is out now through Ben Bala Books. And we've got to say that uh, Marissa, now she is a literary agent and she's a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author and her husband Simon lectures at John's, John Hopkins University and Georgetown University. So um, they've already way outsmarted us. So welcome
2: to the show, mm. Marissa, how are you? <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. I am doing well today. <laughs> great. Good. good to have you. Welcome, Simon. How are you doing? Thank
0: you so much, Nancy. I'm doing great. Wonderful introduction. Thank you, Lisa, as well.
1: Thank you. No, We're excited mm-hmm. about this. I think, you know, we've been talking about leadership on our shows for so many years, and I think what's so good about this book is you talk about being us out of the box. And the first thing, that, you know, as I started reading it, it just reminded me, and I know that you lecture, Simon, so you may understand what I mean about this, but when you're in school, you have the typical humdrum teacher, right? And I'm not knocking teachers uh. everyone. No, I'm not. There's a there's a teacher where you kind of fall asleep, and it used to happen mostly in history because it's always learn this date and blah, blah. Um, yeah. But then you'll have a teacher that makes you think and gets you excited. Maybe you're gonna learn by staging a play together or um really challenges you yet is on your side so you're allowed to fall down and you know and then get back up but really motivates you to move forward um so simon i'm going to go to you with this since you lecture i feel like that's kind of you want those leaders today is that we can go into uncharted territory together we're going to be able to think outside the box and kind of be safe to do it would, would you agree with that
0: yeah i mean you know the one thing is a as a a teacher as, as you mentioned is that we um need to be able to connect with our students and we need to uh, be able to um, apply uh, address variety of, of learning styles and students are different they come from different backgrounds
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and so we as instructors we need to understand their starting lines and if we do then we become more relatable uh, and by becoming more relatable, we can communicate with them and connect with them to a, to a degree where uh, we'll become memorable with our examples and our lessons. Just like you mentioned, there is this one uh, uh, teacher that you would remember throughout your life. And it's only that person who was able to connect and understand where you started and uh, where you're trying to go and uh, to help you along the way. So. I think that's the important part of the same thing with leaders is uh, what we're, we are talking about in the book is that we need to understand the starting lines of the people we are interacting with. Uh, and only by doing that can we begin to establish a rapport with them and to communicate with them compassionately so that we can um, uh, and obviously touch their lives and uh, uh you know, eradicate bad leaders. I think that's what one goal oh. that we have with Marissa. So. <laughs> well,
3: it, I think, isn't it the same, you know, in the classroom to me is, is in a way the same as a workplace as far as you have a whole lot of different people. You have different sexes, you have different races, you have different beliefs, you have different economic backgrounds. So, when you're going to lead, you, you have to know all of those people in some way. You can't just put them all together and treat everybody the same. I don't think that works anymore.
0: Yeah, I think Marissa's got some really good points about being culturally agile. And I think um, she could talk about that specifically. What, if this is, what does this really mean to us?
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, but- Nancy, you bring up some really great points about uh, being in the classroom. I was a high school teacher for a number of years. And in Mm. fact, one thing that I do mention in the book, not to, you know, give give too much away about the book, but was when I was in high school, I started up in Northern Virginia in the classroom, and then I moved to Florida, and it was a complete cultural shock to me. (laughs) And one thing about, you know, when Simon and I are doing like our research, because we've been researching leaders for a long time, and we basically are like, the curators. We carry all of the theories and articles that are read and we study other leaders and we look and somebody was like, well, you are the leader. You're the teacher in the classroom. Like you close the door. It's just you and those, those children. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what relatable leadership is about. It's about knowing how to reach, you know, 10 different leaders in 10 different ways, like you have to be able to teach Hmm. a concept to 30 different students in 30 different ways, because Uh they're not all going to understand the way you teach naturally. And they're not all going to learn the same way that you learned. So
3: Hmm.
2: that's a core concept in our book is exactly Hmm. hitting on that teacher student relationship.
3: Hmm.
1: What led you both to write this and then write it together no marissa you've written before obviously you know bestseller and she's a literary agent that does not hurt Uh, but Mm -hmm. and both of you with your teaching backgrounds you know that it doesn't hurt either Uh, and it's very easy i just want to tell people this is a very easy um accessible book to read no matter where you are what stage in leadership or career i i mean the sooner you read it the better like you know (laughs) just, just (laughs) Really, because it's very, um, it's just easy to read. And I feel like it's one of those books that I'll go back to like a lot, you know, (laughs) and go, Oh, you know what, they were talking about this, let me reflect on this a little bit more. Because one thing you talk about so much is you can't be a CEO unless you're a CEO of yourself. And so there is this accountability that you bring to you just don't get a job, have a title. And then here you are, you're the leader, everybody, this is how it goes it's about you have to be the leader of yourself first so that's what I wanted to ask you about like what led you to write this book and then realize like put those two things together uh self and then you know being the leader of a team but also a leader of self
2: well I will jump in with the why we decided to write this book and Simon is uh more than welcome to disagree with me but (laughs) I've always wanted to write a book with him. And the interesting thing is, like way back when he was recruited for Accenture um, out of graduate school, he had the opportunity to go speak at the University of Maryland. And I was in the back of the room and it was for like some business club. And I watched every single, I mean, I'm going to say I watched every single student in that room just eat up everything he said. He's like, oh, they're like, how did he know that pinpoints exactly what I wanted to hear? And they all rushed. To the front of the room after to talk speak with him and mm. then as the years went on and we did our careers and you know we we're separated we see not not us separated <laughs> but we're separated in our <laughs> career lives and mm. then we get together in COVID in 2020 where we're working together in the same house and I listened to him record a lecture and then I listened to him record another one and then I listened to him record another one and I was like this needs to be a book this this mm everything that he's teaching these graduate students and their adult learners he's talking about experiences broadening their range of influence I'm like we need to make this a book and so Mm -hmm. I was like hey I'm going to take your lectures I'm going to take some of my personal experience that I'm learning because I was doing my doctorate at the time and I'm like I really think we need to make this a book Mm. and so that's that's my answer I'm sticking to it Mm cool cool
1: and Simon, oh, how, how was that for you? Like, suddenly you're going from lecturing to now we have to put pen and paper or like computer <laughs> keys. Like, what was that process like?
0: I mean, I really enjoyed working on this book with Marissa. And, um, you know, as I was going through this experience uh, and we were uh, f- uh, formalizing our framework and we were talking about um, what are the really like the con- uh, five key principles, we were thinking more about the fact that. Um, leadership uh, needs to be an authentic type of experience and we have both worked in um, both in government and in education and the uh, mm. private sector and we have been exposed to bad leaders for many years and have found <laughs> out that you know when you socialize with these individuals outside of work they turn into completely different people and you could definitely connect with some of them. Um, so at, at the center, at the core of it all, and what we'll find out in the book is that we are talking about a behavioral change. Leaders need to be who and authentic to themselves. And it starts, like you mentioned, with being the CEO of your own life, but you do not become a, a duplicitous personality in um, uh, and change completely in front of your um followers or your employees when you're at work and then when you go home you become somebody else Mm -hmm. Um, instead you um, embody and um, you become who you are everywhere you go uh, and you change your nature and your personality to be that leader everywhere and then you don't have to pretend to act differently with your employees or the people who follow you um, because that takes so much more energy, and it's so much more not authentic, people are not stupid, they can zero in and mm-hmm. find out when you're not be, being true to yourself. Um, but if you are following these five principles, and if you are growing into that, becoming that leader, then you would be authentic, people will resonate, will uh, will come to you, and they'll follow you um, wholeheartedly. And, and then you'll be able to really Kind of lead them on the path and, and accomplish the objectives of whatever you set your mind to in your organization in your community and your family uh, but it does happen at that behavior change realizing that that's not a kind of a tool set that you reach into and take out for specific leadership skills but you become that authentic leader everywhere you are um, and you become that mentor constantly
3: <laughs> well you know i have to go back to one of my first first jobs and a manager that I just just used to study him because I thought it was so weird. I was just a kid out of high school and I went and worked for this firm. And I worked my way up from file clerk to being a bodily injury insurance adjuster for this insurance company in this one office. And I noticed something about him about how, well, first how the office was divided All the salesmen were men and they were all in a room where you could see them because there was glass cubicles and stuff and you could see them all. But there was a whole bunch of men in that room. All the file clerks were women and all the secretaries were women. And then the adjusters had like this row of little offices that you could see and the adjusters. I was the only woman, everybody else was male. And when he talked, when the manager talked, every morning we'd have to have the little meeting thing. When he talked to the men, the door was closed and he yelled and there were swear words. When he talked to the group, including women, it's a whole different style. And I, it, made, it used to make me laugh because I thought it was really funny that for some reason he thought it was okay to swear and yell at the men but obviously you can't do that with women or women are too weak to take that kind of treatment or he thought it was polite the way he was doing it pick any answer but it it stuck in my mind as okay so you're a leader over here for this in this manner and then you're a leader over here in this manner and now I don't trust you at all that's
2: where my mind went. It's a really interesting observation. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it just we, weird.
2: Well, you know? but that, doesn't that go with what you say in your book
1: about you, you know, what you do, it should flow throughout your personal professional exactly. life should be kind of connected, right? So it's about being an authentic you. Yeah,
2: it's you a know? 100% that you basically just summed up the the reason why we have that chapter on embracing the leadership lifestyle, that it's not mm-hmm. a trait, it's an actual lifestyle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. And and then also what she was saying, it's like, okay, so we're going to do this to men, but not women. So yeah. that to me, get that gets into the cultural side, being culturally connected. And and I know there's culturally appropriate, but then let's look at actually connected, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, there's, I think that's something that we need to look at I, I mean and and what i like i think that we should send this to politicians i know you work in government but <laughs> my first thing was when i saw your book the media and i know we've had it for you know since you know i think about a month or something mm-hmm. i'm like we need to, i want to send this to a lot of politicians because the leadership i think when we talk about leadership and you mentioned bad leaders. I think all of us in our minds immediately jumped with a list and going, what, you know, what are you doing? You know, Um, so would you say that this would be good for leaders in in politics and government, not just CEOs of a company? (laughs) I'm sorry, but I just want to go there (laughs) because I'd like to send it to a lot of different people because when you lead a community, I think that's really important. If you're, you're supposed to listen. Mm-hmm. And like you say, look at that lifestyle that you're leading so that it follows through. And I'm not attacking anybody. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I agree with you 100%. In fact, the other day, um, it's really exciting because Simon and I, the next piece of this that we're working on is creating a leadership development workshop for emerging leaders. But ah, one cool. of the big pieces um, that I studied in my doctorate was Uh, non-hierarchical leadership and that was through community leadership development and quite honestly it was from a politician who told me you would be great in this leadership development program and so that Hmm. was like my first you know foray into non-hierarchical because I'm like oh I don't have a title I didn't have a title then Um, I wasn't Hmm. a founder of any company then that was growing or anything and um, like oh no it's just it's it's traits and it's learning about the community and you know you have your girl scout troop leader who's one of my close friends who has a well I consider like a normal day job with a normal Mm -hmm. title she has a family and yet she's leading these girl scouts you know through all these different activities and and creating things and and it's that type of leadership of the non-hierarchical piece but it's the community it's the service to your community and I a politician actually was the first one of our commissioners who she showed me this so i 100 hmm. agree that any politician should read this <laughs> right right no well, i think of
1: all levels
2: and i mean i
1: think we're looking at so many changes in our country and around the world because all these principles also need to connect with i think your book should go you know to england too and and you know all these different places especially oh, right, right now yes no but because we are in a state of flux and i think Part mm-hmm. of the problem is that we haven't abandoned old ways of leadership and exactly. leadership used to be rule with an iron fist. Mm-hmm. And I think we're done with that. And I think the younger generation stepping into new companies, starting new companies, what whatever career, right? Um, be it political or not, no matter if opening a nonprofit, whatever you're doing, maybe just you know leading a team of volunteers for something, Leading with an iron fist, I don't think that gets you very far. What what would you say for that, Simon? I mean, that's why that's the beauty of your book to me is that we're kind of getting rid of that old way.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you, Lisa. And uh, I'd like to go back to Nancy's example, and Mm -hmm. she um, had that uh, observation of, um, how that particular individual behaved um, uh, with males in one way and with females mm-hmm. in another or with a group setting uh, in a different way. And um, I am certain that even the males that were behind a closed door were probably wondering what is the matter with that individual and why mm-hmm. does he behave like this? Because um, not every person in that room probably agreed with that lifestyle. They probably weren't being... Um, in that matter of uh, dealing with their own spouses at home so um, I've had instances like mm-hmm. this with managers people who would swear quite a bit or mm-hmm. people who assume that just because we're males in a room we kind of uh, behave in a certain way um, uh, towards each other as uh, you know boys in a locker room or mm-hmm. uh, you know you know we have a certain president that did that kind of stuff, talking about things like this. And uh, I do not think that um, <laughs> uh, that really is re- uh, resonating with how leaders are supposed to be with, uh, with the people that they work with. Um, they should, uh, in my mind, be uh, cultivating that um, idea of a non-hierarchical rep- uh, kind mm-hmm. of a, a, a leadership uh, style. Uh, and that's what we touch in the book is that um, if they do not come from a position of power, right, this is the old type of school where, you know, leadership theories of the 50s where, you know, it's, it's the leaders are born and, you know, they come up with that whole charisma and the power and, the, um, and, and um, you know, that has been proven uh, not to be the case. I mean, we've gone through evolution of these types of theories over the past uh, 70 years. And we're finding out now that, um, it's behavioral it's um, it, it, if it resonates with the way you um, interact with individuals, if you're being authentic uh, if mm. you're, uh, kind of being a servant, and that's this whole leadership, servant leadership style, where uh, you cultivate and you support, you empower, and you you are in the background. You, mm-hmm. you are allowing your, it's an inverted pyramid. You are the leader at the bottom who is carrying the weight and supporting your um, uh, 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 followers and your employees, because they're the ones that are accomplishing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how leaders are, in our minds, supposed to approach that um interaction with employees and uh, anywhere in the community in the family they are coming up with that um supporting mentoring kind of a behavior in order to allow these individuals to develop or to expose their characteristics because quite a bit of time they, as as Nancy mentioned they come in with this arrogant attitude thinking mm-hmm. that they're they know what's best for everybody I have found out when I have led teams that if I step back and I allow these individuals to um, explore and develop their skills and um, character, that they are actually solving the problems that are there. That I, as an individual, as a leader, I do not have to step in and try to solve a problem. They have the skills and the abilities and they and the know-how and the we we'll call them transaction transaction memory systems. They have these experiences have dealt with these um, instances in the past. So they know how to solve this. They don't Mm -hmm. have to be quiet and watch me (laughs) come (laughs) up with a solution to a problem. I have to be quiet and allow them to speak and listen to them and Mm -hmm. cultivate that uh, um, um, situation where it allows them to actually share with us the the way to solve a problem, to, to move forward. And yeah, that's
3: true. I mean, because if you do the iron fist thing, then you kill creativity. And so your team is like, okay, we're just babies. i are going to do what we're told so we can get our paycheck and go home.
1: Yeah. You're and not
3: going to move forward or bring any new ideas because you're already scared to because the, the road to being creative and thinking outside the box has now been cut off. By someone who is the boss, manager, whatever. Yeah, with the iron fist, and it just—it's okay. So I made my children behave for the day. Now I'll go home, come back to work tomorrow, and children, please behave again the way I want you to. And I just want to add to this guy because it still bugs me. When he used to smoke in the office. Which I know. This is way
1: back. This is way. Okay, don't go way way back. It's not the 1800s. Partial back. It's a partial back. But
3: I mean, he used to smoke in the office. No one else was allowed to. Mm. But when he when he had a cigarette, this is so weird to me, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Maybe guys can help me on this. When he was in front of women, he held a cigarette between two fingers. Normally, with a cigarette. Pointing out, when he smoked in front of the men, he curved the cigarette between his thumb and forefinger he and wanted it to be a cool dude. In towards his palm, and yeah. I used to
1: watch him do this and try to figure out why does he do that? Because he's trying to be a cool dude, and that's like you know James that Dean cool? kind of style. Like I'm just going now. Oh. I'm going way back, right? So that's kind of like the cool, like oh. rebel look, and and that means he, he's insecure that one. <laughs> but, but this is i, I want to go back to that about stopping the creativity when you think about leading you know outside of the box you know being out of the box is you know when you have a company and you want to hire people smarter than you <laughs> you know what i mean because you want those ideas you want things to progress mm-hmm. and i think we're in a climate now where we've got AI, right? Which is everyone's scared of AI, but it is really, you know, it's, it's a very interesting time because it's pushing us to be even smarter, right? In a way. And I think that's a big fear factor is, oh my gosh, now we're changing. But then you see things like, we just did an interview about California laws of Mm -hmm. stopping this the, the what's happening in warehouses where you have to reach this quota, basically mm-hmm. you're being tracked on every little bit of your performance to a point of you're not human now. So we're yeah, treating tracking device. Yeah. I mean, if you go potty, mm-hmm. then they know like mm-hmm. ha- you you went potty mm-hmm. too long. you know so <laughs> that is not leadership. <laughs> I mean, talk about a, an iron fist. So that's it's a very interesting thing because leading in a factory setting or a warehouse setting, should be still leading and um letting people solve problems and letting them have that pride so wouldn't that if we don't let people have that creative problem solving we're diminishing them as human beings i
0: think Mm -hmm. yeah
1: creativity
0: (laughs) so i definitely agree with you we are um you know we we studied the companies I, I think you might be referring to maybe Amazon yes, um, they are <laughs> known for having one of the largest turnover rates um, from any company so they're constantly on the lookout for hiring new people because who would want to stay in a job like that um, you know unless you're really struggling so um you know think about this though i you know i i I listen to um uh, a lot of uh, leaders right now who talk about um, how technology has changed our lives and us as consumers. Uh, we have mm-hmm. gotten to a point where um, companies like Amazon or Google or Netflix deliver services to us almost instantaneously. They have spoiled us, right? Um, mm-hmm. If I want to order something and I can not wait for three days or to go to the store, well, Amazon will deliver it with a drone maybe, but I'll get it. A- Probably, if I live in a city on the same day, Netflix with will deliver pizza. with pizza. <laughs> um, and so, they are. There's this whole new model of emerging from the business that they are exceeding customers' expectations. They're not just meeting expectations, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and that's why we flock to these companies. That's why we use their services. That's why their stock uh, prices are going up. And that's what is allowing them, to a degree, to treat these employees because. Um, productivity um, in the company is an important factor for them to be able to squeeze as much as they can value out because through these services that people are delivering or through the projects they're working in these organizations, they are delivering value to the company and these investors. So the marketplace is focusing on that value. um, And we're seeing what's going on with the stock market up and down right now. So, um, uh, you know, There is, to a degree, this whole idea that the consumer is driving these types of forces in the marketplace to to create that whole uh, imbalance between how leaders are leading these employees. But what we're saying is that um, we are proposing some different types of lessons and plans in our book to how you, as a leader, can create a vision and how you can still deliver value in your organization by becoming more um, culturally agile, compassionate communicator and kind of leading through that non-hierarchical mm-hmm. type of leadership style um, to be able to deliver value still to your organization and meet your objectives and the expectations for your consumers, your customers, but in a humane way so that you don't lose your valuable employees and then you have to go through unionization and then you have to you know, mm-hmm. end up in the courts and then uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, end up in, in the newspapers, and and then uh, Brian Loyalty will suffer. And <laughs> I mean, it's, whole, a, it's, it's a cycle. slippery
1: slope. No, but I love what you're saying, because it's really true. I mean, having to keep getting, you know, employee retention goes out the window, which we've seen after mm-hmm. COVID, right? And it's, this is a huge thing that not just our country's dealing with. It's like how do we get our people back in? And if you look at the hospitality industry and the and the restaurant industry, they've had a really hard time. Yeah. For a lot of really reasons. Hard. And mm. so it's like, you know, I you know, being a housekeeper is not easy. You know, and we've done that as a mm-hmm. as a challenge with a bed and breakfast. No, it's not everybody. I'm just going to let you know. It's not. And mm-hmm. it's um you know, you do have to have that Let people come to you and tell you what's right and what's wrong or what's going Mm -hmm. on. And I think what's really also good about your book is, and and Marissa, I want to go to you with this. Women are, we have more women in leadership roles and more diversity now than we've had for a very long time, but we're still not where we should be. And we do have talent out there and it's, we still have to go through these steps and get people in places that they belong, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to go with that because when you look at women, you, you just you know, look at Cheryl Sandberg and, you know, look where who she is. Look at all these women out there. And they didn't, it's like as women leaders, it's always, oh, you're going to be emotional. You're going to be this. And then men have, you think men aren't emotional if they're doing the iron fist that, you know, not saying everybody, all men are doing that. So don't get yelled, don't, no one yell at me. <laughs> but I'm just saying there is this, partial thing where we have to have compassion and you can have strength. And I think your book lifts people up by giving them the tools to move forward to understand how to balance things out. Wouldn't well, you say for it, women this is empowering for women to become
3: to, she to, to make compassion a strength instead yes. of a weakness. Yeah. Which is a big thing like we know one um woman that was running an establishment. <laughs> and she said to us one day you can't work him like he used to which was totally
1: her, yeah hotel staff
3: yeah mm-hmm. and she's talking about her hotel staff and it was a shock to us um that first of all that she would speak that way and because her staff really worked hard and long hours in not the best of conditions and that and and because she was a woman, you wouldn't expect. It, I mean, she's but I she over. Can't. She
1: oh, she tried to emulate her husband, who did the iron fist. And so we watched this technique, yeah. and we thought, was, "Wow, you can yeah. be compassionate. You're allowed to be a woman in a leadership role and be compassionate and strong at the same time." It's like we don't just because I'm a woman, I don't have to wear a suit. You know, I can wear a dress. You know, so Marissa, what going back to your book, um out of the box wouldn't wouldn't you say that really helps us to get to that part of understanding that that balance.
2: Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think one of the beautiful things that the parents of the workforce generation did was to raise these individuals these young professionals now who want value in their lives and like I know we were joking about way back when with Nancy but back I always said Mm -hmm. back in the 1800s when I was in the workforce Mm -hmm. um, I have been quoting Patagonia forever about the it's since their New York ad about it's not the attainment of the summit it's the style of the climb and it's Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm all about like, if you're going to get somewhere or do something amazing, I always tell Simon this, I'm like, if I'm going to go do something amazing, I, I, I want you there with me, I don't, I don't want to do it alone. And if, if something incredible is happening, it, it's, you know, bring other people around, like there's that old saying where the mosaic of all our experiences And we're the average of the five people and their five people and their five people Mm. around us. And so I want to surround myself with relatable leaders. And that was also another separation. Yeah. yeah. That's another reason why it's like, if we can just make everybody understand that everyone has their own journey, you don't have to follow the same path, but you don't have to settle for the default, like just because they said it has to be this way. You don't have to do that. You can find your own path. And when you have other I, I leaders helping. This out, everybody get the book quick.
1: Just because they Aww. said so. No, wait, wait. <laughs> I need to write that down. I need a, I
2: need a bumper sticker. <laughs> I know. I love. I lo- That's why I love there is no box because it, it kind of went back. Simon and I, uh, we did a, a matrix marathon. And I don't know if you know the part about the spoon, like where mm-hmm. they're, they're she's trying to bend the spoon and the guy's like, there is no mm-hmm. spoon. And we were like watching it and stuff. And, and in our 20s, everyone's like telling us, you know, think outside the box. Think, But if you're never, if you don't know how to think outside the box, because you don't have mm-hmm. experiences, you can't bring your experiences to the table. People aren't, you know, willing to listen ah, to anything perfect. that's not mm-hmm. what they want to hear. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, there is no box. Like, we can go get do whatever over it. Yeah. So a 22-year-old kid can become a billionaire and run a company as a Harvard dropout We why not us yeah. why can't we share what we're learning i want and- a billion dollars bring it <laughs>
1: bring me the box with a million billion dollars in it it's going to be a really big not box. in the box and, and, and the box. deliver it with the pizza but i want wine with mine <laughs> but, but, no but it's really true because you know it's like the same thing as youth education. So, i mean we've learned through you know just all the oh, interviews gosh. so like we're in college full-time that's you know really what we do and it's like it is about, you could you could talk to a your blind, yourself blind to a kid, if you're just going to keep talking, if they don't know how to study. We've forgotten how to mm. teach kids how to study. Like, are they listening? Are they reading? You know, how are they, are they more interactive? Everybody learns in a different way, just from youth. Not everybody, here's your book, go get your assignment done. And that's that. It doesn't work that way. So going, we're going right back to, we've gone full cycle now. We're back to school <laughs> <Exactly>. again, Simon. <laughs> I, you know,
3: I, had, I had the opportunity, and this is really odd because I have no qualifications for this. I was hired to teach third graders in a school in um, Nairobi in uh, Kenya. I had no qualifications other than I was white and my job was to teach English to these students. And I'm like, and they knew I didn't have the qualifications. They didn't even care. They said, it, you speak it, English? You cared. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, let me go try and let's see. It was more fun. Those kids were so appreciative and they, they so made fun because I had an American accent, more American than I do now. And. They thought that was hilarious. And I thought their accent was really funny. So that engages in how do you say the letter O? Is it O? Is it O? Oh, is it O? Oh? Yeah. And we centered on the word box because I don't know how we got up to the word box? Yeah. It's they all said, your fault. You guys. I know. They oh. said, oh. They, said <laughs> they were saying bolts. And I'm cool. like, you mean box?
1: The British, accent, and they're like, yeah. no,
3: it's Volks, <laughs> and yeah. it just started from there. We came to laugh at how different we were, mm-hmm. and, and I think together. I learned. I learned way more from them than what they learned from me. I'm pretty sure,
1: but that's, that's the point. The a, a good, <laughs> yeah, isn't that the thing where for leaders can learn yes. from their team if, if they team. open their minds to it, and right. also. If it's something isn't resonating, it makes you, I mean, we think outside the box, (laughs) you know, the box. Yeah, it makes you think out like and and stretch your own muscles to get to where you want to go, you know, and, and by the way, thanks for quoting Patagonia. I think they're one of the best companies we have on the planet, really. (laughs) I really do. And they just, you know, they save so much land. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I bow down to them for sure. But before we go, number one, congratulations. The book is Mm -hmm. out for a day, everybody. And of course, we're recording before the book is out, but congratulations. Uh, We're really excited with what you've written and put out into the world. But from each of you in closing, um, what is the one thing you want audience to get from the book? I know there's like, you know, multiple chapters. Mm -hmm. But one thing, let's start with you, Simon. What is one thing you want someone to get that maybe we haven't touched on today?
0: Um, one message is awaken your inner leader. Um, mm. You are a leader inside. In, in, in your in your family, in your community, in your, the organization you work. Re- embrace that, recognize that, um, empower yourself, uh, give yourself permission to lead, and then, you know, pick up a model, a framework. You know, for example, the one that we've presented to. Um, how to, uh, how to make that uh, uh, leader inside of you emerge. Follow these steps and, uh, you know, be memorable. Make, it, make a change mm-hmm. in, in where you work and where you live.
1: Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. I love that. I love that. Marissa, for you, what is well, one I, thing I, you want I, people to do? I love
2: Simons. I, love Simon's. <laughs> I know, I do too. <laughs> um, so for, for me, it's, it, it's about being willing to have the conversation, to like critically think and share ideas, but mostly about gathering other people's ideas and analyzing like why they feel the way they feel so you can better understand how to have effective conversations with them it's i mean our book isn't like the the end-all be-all it's not the right answer it's uh, it's opening that conversation of how can Mm -hmm. i be a better leader for myself and for others Mm -hmm.
1: i like this and you're Mm -hmm. going to be doing more programs and this is great um you know it's just going further taking the book further because um the book is it's like it's it's like a working book you know it's it's not it's something that you can keep using and i see it growing and i hope you you do more the two of you because i think you're doing Mm. awesome stuff and that's just my own personal opinion and my opinion matters (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) but marissa uh, your website MarissaCleveland.com, is that the best website for everyone i know you can you can get the book on amazon (laughs) but uh (laughs) Uh, you know all those great online stores, and and also go to your local bookshops and ask them to carry it. But um, for yeah, you guys are all over Instagram. There there is no box on Instagram. We like that too. Um, yes. Marissa's on TikTok, and you know she is a, a gymnast, so she might show us how to do some oh, flippity cool. tricks. Yeah, <laughs> mm, um, nice. And then also Twitter, Marissa uh, Marissa Cleveland, and uh, also go to Cleveland Simon on Twitter. But Marissa Cleveland is that the right place? Um, yes, that's a great place to go. Okay, okay. You're all <laughs> over the place. And we'll <laughs> make sure everybody gets that all connected. But thank you both for joining us and have a wonderful journey with your book.
3: Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you so pleasure. much for thank you,
1: Nancy. Us. Hey, everybody. Also, keep up with booksforward.com. They're awesome. We love them. We've been working with them for over... I'd say about 20 years, something like that. Uh, They they really represent the best authors. And you have two of them on the show today. And of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Thanks all for joining us.